0: Well, how are we? Everybody doing good? You can still clap at home, man. You can still amen at home. You can still participate in the life of the service today. And that's what's so amazing about the mission and vision that we have as a church to grow people and then to multiply that. Uh, We've been set up for years, uh, utilizing the technology of video and all the incredible things that we have because of your generosity and and just uh, God's faithfulness in the life of our church. And so, man, this is an incredible opportunity for us to continue to gather as the church uh, through the technology that we have. And so like... David and Pastor Chad said earlier, make sure that you say thank you to all of our production teams, our worship teams, just all of our staff and our incredible team members that are pulling off this service like they do every weekend. It's an incredible opportunity that we have to continue to gather and utilize video. Also, before we jump into the message today, I want to make sure that we are all praying for and supporting uh, our local leaders and uh, especially our hospitals, our uh, officials, our government officials, uh, everybody at our grocery stores. Uh, I know you can't high five them, but man, when you're in there buying uh, toilet paper, if there's any left, uh, make sure you say thank you. Make sure that you are just a good neighbor. During this time, we have an incredible opportunity to live on mission Uh, in our neighborhoods, taking care of people that that maybe can't get out and and get their own supplies or things that they need uh, to survive. I'm really honestly, uh, we want to be a community, a good community partner. uh, And that's one of the main reasons why we made the decision on Thursday to not host services live uh, just at the recommendation of all of our community officials. Again, we've been in contact with so many people uh, that said our, our real goal at this point is to make sure that we slow down the spread of this. This virus. Uh, Obviously, we can't control that completely, uh, but we wanted to be a good community partner and make sure that we are doing everything that we possibly can to help slow that down. Uh, And so that's what's so important during this time. And make sure, again, that you're continuing to pray for our officials. And and what's crazy is, you know, we're in this series in Romans um, and we have been preparing and planning for, you know, months, uh, laying out the messages. And today, actually, we're in Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7, which talks about our government and the role of Christians in participating and really the role of the church in participating in civic governments. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn it there to Romans chapter 13, verses one through seven. That's going to be our text today. Um, and we're going, before we jump into that, as always, we're going to pray uh, not only for the sermon, but pray for all of our leaders, pray for all of our communities, because uh, again, we want to make sure that we are doing everything that we can as Christians. And that's what I mean. This is an incredible opportunity, and I'm honestly excited to see just the opportunities that God gives us as the church during these times. Uh, Cause I know none of this caught God by surprise and God is in control. He is sovereign and we trust him. uh, But in that we want to respond in faith. Uh, And that's what I'm really excited about to see, just the opportunities that God gives us to do that over the next few weeks and months and just how honestly our church and our society hopefully changes and comes back to the reality that all of us have to face that man, Death does come to all of us. We all have to think and prepare, and, and, and I hope that people take life more seriously, uh, that we do res- come out of this changed and different. And so I'm really excited about all the opportunities that God is going to give us over the next weeks and months as a church to respond to those needs within our community. And so if you wouldn't mind, join with me praying before we jump into the message today, and we're going to ask God to bless our time together and then continue to bless our communities. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that even in times of crisis, we know that you are in control. Um, God, one of the illusions that all of us as human beings live in is that we think we control more than we do. Um, and God, I pray that this would be a time for us to realize that we really can't control so many things. Um, but what happens when those times happen is we feel so out of control. Uh, we panic. We feel anxious. But God, help us to realize the reality that even though we aren't in control, you are. And that none of this caught you by surprise. None of this um, is, has you scared. You know what is going on. And so therefore, we can trust you. We can rest in that. We are called to be full of faith, but at the same time we're called to be wise. And so God, the faith part of this is we trust you. And then the wise part of this is we do what is wise, we do what is right. And so we wanna practice all the things that our officials are telling us to do, uh, which is one of the reasons, again, God, we're not gathering today physically in our locations, um, but we also want to at the same time trust you. And so as we come together today as the church, Uh, To study your word, I pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would help us, that you would give us grace through the authority of your word. And God, thank you that you wrote this word thousands of years ago, but you wrote it for today as well. And I would say it's ironic, but it's not ironic, God, because there are no coincidences. But today we're talking about the role of government in Romans chapter 13. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to understand what the government's role is, what our role is, and then help us to work together and speak to us. And we ask this today by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So Romans chapter 13, we're going to go from verses 1 through 7 again, and kind of set it up in, in verses 1 and 2, talking about just kind of in principle, and then we'll get into practice of what it means to be a Christian in a Society, And again, if you've been with us and following along, maybe you're new today, but we've just been preaching through the book of Romans. We started last year and we did chapters one through 11. And then this year we're in chapters 12 through 16. And really in chapters 12 through 16 is the response to everything that we've seen in chapters one through 11 and chapters one through 11. Again, we've talked about this for the last several weeks is the doctrine of faith, what God did to save us. And then in chapters 12 through 16 is our response to that. And so we've talked about how to live as living sacrifices. We've talked about how to love. Last week, we talked about how to uh, you know, forgive and live with our enemies and, and what is our responsibility in that. And then today, he's going to expand the idea of these relationships in chapter 13 to say, okay, what is the Christian's responsibility to the relationship of civil governments? How do we as the church and the state operate together? And to be honest with you, man, there is so much confusion about this today uh, on those that are unbelievers and even those that are believers. And so I hope today would be very helpful to understand, especially during this time that we're in as a church, to really understand what the role of the government is, what the role of civil government is, and what the role of the church is. And so let's jump in verse one and two first, and this kind of, again, set us up for everything else we're going to talk about. So Romans chapter 13, verse one and two, it says this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now, let's let's talk about this. One of the primary ways as a Christian, one of the primary ways you know that a Christian's life has been changed, that a person has gone from death to life, that they are a new creation, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of the primary ways that you can see that is how a person responds to authority, how a person responds to authority. Because as Christians, and really as human beings in general, whether you're Christian or not, all of us have a natural bent to we don't want to submit to authority. In fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when the Bible says God created mankind, he created Adam and Eve, the thing that Satan played on was this idea that they don't need a higher authority, that they are their own authority, that they are independent of God. And so when a person moves from death to life, when a person moves from not following Jesus to following Jesus, one of the primary changes, one of the primary differences that you see in that person is how they relate to authority. They begin to understand that they are not the ultimate authority, that there is a God and it's not them. That's the best way I could say it. And so there's a general attitude that Paul talks about, in fact, the Bible talks about, that none of us are God. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, Paul talked about how what happened to human beings is we were created in the image of God, but then we started worshiping the image rather than the creator himself. So there's this general theme throughout all the Bible and throughout those of us that are Christ followers that there's a general way of how we respond to authority, and that is to be in subjection. Or another word to say it is submission. In fact, this is the exact same word that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, where he talks about how we are to be in submission to one another. And then in that text, he's talking about in the marriage relationship, that the man and wife submit to each other, and then it happens in unique ways. The, The woman submits to the authority of the man, and then the man submits to loving his wife. And so there's this mutual authority and this mutual roles that we both have to live into submission to one another. And again, when you see that, when you see someone who's following Jesus, they're going to do relationships differently. They're not going to live as though they're independent. They're going to live as though they're dependent on each other, and they're going to submit in specific ways. And so when you see this as a believer, Paul's just saying, listen, this applies to how you relate to everyone in authority. In fact, this word here, submissive or subject, is the Greek word hippo tasso. And the word hippo or hypo, depending upon how you would say it, means under. And tasso means order. And so the idea is you are under order. You are under the determination of what someone else is doing. But here's why this is so crucial. The word therefrom, and again, if you guys have been around here, you know I like words. I like prepositions. And so that word therefrom is a preposition of means. And what's interesting to me is that it's the exact same Greek word as the first part of that word for the Greek word for subjection or submission, hypo. And here's what's so crucial. What Paul is getting at here is, listen, all authorities, all authorities are from God. All authorities are under, hypo, God. God is the ultimate authority. So all authorities are under him, and therefore we should live under the authorities that he has instituted, that he has ordered. So this applies to, obviously, governments. This applies to churches. This applies to Homes. You know I like alliteration, and this is one of those things I thought of it applies to parents, pastors, and presidents. And so all of us exist under authority. That's one of the main reasons why God gives us parents. Uh, Again, because as kids, when we are born, we don't know right and wrong. We don't know what to do or what not to do. Literally, we would not survive if it weren't for the role of the authorities in our life, our parents. And then that broadens out, hopefully, as we grow, that we should be under the authority of pastors and the role of the church. And then it also broadens out that we should be under the authority in our state of the president or the civil government. And so here's all Paul's saying. All authority, whether it's parents, whether it's pastor, whether it's the home, the church, or the government, exists because God exists. Exists because God is the authority. And all of us are to come underneath those authorities that God has placed. What's also interesting to me, he says, so don't resist those authorities. And that word resist is the Greek word anti Anti is simply a Greek prefix that we just brought over into English, and it means against. It means to be against authority, So here's the general principle when it comes to the role of how believers, how Christians respond to relationships of authority. Our general principle is we aren't against them, we are under them. We aren't against them, we are under them. That should be our default position as believers. And that comes into especially the governments that we are under, the civil governments, Our default position as believers is to be ones that are under those authorities. Why? Because they have a role to play. So let's look at verse three and verse four. Verse three, it says this. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. Verse four, listen to this. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, if you were here last week in chapter 12, we talked about how the Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. It is his to repay. Now in verse or chapter 13, Paul says, one of the ways that God does that is through his servant. Of civil governments. And so all governments that exist or the idea of civil government that exists has been instituted by God, and they are servants of God to carry out a specific purpose. And here's what is so confusing for people a lot of times when it comes to the role of government or the role of the state and the role of the church. You know, there's so much confusion. We live in a free society, and one of the things that Christians, particularly when America was being created, were advocating for was the separation of church and state. And the primary reason that Christians in the founding of our country were advocating the separation of church and state is because they came from a country where the state was controlling the church. And so believers said, no, listen, there should be a separation of church and state. And the idea of that was one of a division of labor. And what I mean by that is this, that the state has a role to play and the church has a role to play. And the primary role of the state, and I want you to think about this, the primary role of the state is for the safety of people, for the safety of people. And the primary role of the church is the salvation of people. So think about this. The primary role of the state is for the safety of people. The primary role of the church is for the salvation of people. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, the church and the state, just like the home, the primary institutions that God created, are all servants of God. But the confusion that has happened in our day and age with the separation of church and state is people have thought, oh, if the separation of church and state, then that means that the state is separate from the church in that the state is separate from God. Now, here's what I want us to understand. The state is not to be separate from God. The state is simply to be separate from the church. And what that means is the state, which is enshrined in our constitution, thank God, doesn't make laws regarding the church. But with the separation of church and state, it doesn't mean that the church should not influence the state, and it doesn't mean that the church shouldn't respond to the laws of the state. Simply what that means is the state has a role to play, the church has the role to play. But what has happened in our culture, particularly in the 20th century, is we've started separating the state from God. And if we start separating the state from God, then it becomes a godless state. And then it becomes underneath, and we've been talking about this for the last several months, under the authority of a different spiritual power, underneath the authority no longer of God, but independent of God. And this is where the confusion has come in. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, the idea is the government is not God. The government is not God. The government is a servant of God. And what Christians have done in response to this a lot of times is we have a negative view of the state. But I want you to understand the state has a role to play, and it's a limited role, and all of us should want a limited government. Now, well-meaning people can have honest conversations about where that limit ends, but from a biblical perspective, the primary role of the government is the safety of the people. And so Paul is saying, listen, the government has been instituted by God, and it has a limited role, and that limited role is to hopefully encourage good behavior, Hopefully, to encourage good behavior by there being punishment for bad behavior, and that's the primary role. Now, think about that when we grow up. When we're growing up, all of us, I don't care how good you thought you were, all of us are motivated to not do bad because of the punishment that we'll incur, And this is why we try to do things and then we we try to do them in secret. We don't want people to find out because we know inherently, because we have a conscience, that the things that we're doing have a bent towards right or a bent towards wrong. And so on the base level, the role of authority is to motivate people to do good. And I've talked a lot about my own upbringing and, and I've shared this quite a bit, but I thank God for it. But I grew up with a father who was very authoritative He was a big man, he's still a big guy now, and he's 67 years old. And even to this day, uh, I don't challenge him because just like the country song, he's not as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. And so I don't want to come against his authority, but there's so many times in my life growing up that I didn't do bad things because I was strictly afraid of my father finding out. I mean, I'll never forget being in elementary school and, and, and people saying, well, I'm going to tell your parents. I'm like, No, 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 please don't tell my parents. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. We used to have these things called chalkboards. It was crazy. It was like, I'll stay after school and dust the chalk out of the chalkboards. And I did that more times than I care to count because I didn't want my father to find out. In fact, I'll never forget in high school, when I was a freshman in high school, several of my friends that could drive that were older than me, they said, hey, let's skip school today. Let's, let's go out and, and, and let's not eat lunch. Let's just go out. And so they were motivating me to break the rules. And I said, no, because my father, he's an HVAC contractor. He was doing work at our school. I'm like, if he sees that I'm not at school, then I don't want to be found out by my authority. And so on a base level, I did what was right because I was afraid of judgment. And so what Paul's saying here is one of the roles of civil government is to motivate good behavior Because there is a punishment for bad behavior, and the government has the right, instituted by God, to carry that out. Now, does that mean that the government is going to do that perfectly all the time? No. Does that mean that pastors are going to exercise their authority correctly all the time? No. Does that mean that parents are going to exercise perfectly the authority that God has given them to discipline their kids? No, and so what happens so many times in our life is we experience those in authority who exercise it wrongly, or they step outside of the boundaries that God has given them, or they don't do it with the understanding that they are a servant of God, they aren 't God themselves, and so therefore all of us have this nature again within us to reject that authority, and so therefore we say, well. The government's the problem, or the leaders are the problem, or my parents are the problem. Listen, nobody's perfect, but it doesn't mean that we throw off authorities simply because those in authority have done it wrongly. Again, our default position as believers is to say, you know what? There is an authority, and that is God, and God has instituted authorities from parents to pastors presidents. And my default response to them is to understand that they have a role to play. And the role that they have to play is primarily for the safety of people. And then the primary role of the church, again, is for the salvation of people. One of the things, one of the conversations that we're having in our culture today is the role of government. In fact, this is an election year this year and This is not a sermon for us to to start talking about politics or even getting into the comments about who you're voting for, all that kind of stuff, please. But what I want you to understand is simply this, that the government has a role and we vote our conscience. We'll get into that in just a second. But we should never, as Christians, offlay our responsibility to care for people, In fact, I would say the primary role of the church in the salvation of people is to meet the needs of people. God has given us not only the ability, but he has given us the responsibility to care for the needs of those around us. You see this in the early church. And this is one of those moments in the life of our world right now where the church has a unique opportunity as our civil governments are doing the best that they can to control this outbreak and this virus and things that are going on. And and we have a responsibility to respond to that as good citizens. But what we should never do is rely on the government to meet all the needs of the people. That is what Christians are called to do. That is what the church is called to do. And so as the church, over these next few weeks, man, we have an incredible opportunity to do what we've been talking about, our vision of Jeremiah 29, 7, to seek the welfare of our cities. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we as a church have done everything that we possibly can to have good relationships with our civic governments, with our local governments. In fact, when we moved into Jasper three years ago, I mean, we just had the soft launch last weekend. it's crazy to think about three years ago, we actually launched the campus One of the primary things that we did when we moved into the community was, man, how do we just serve our city? How do we just serve the community? So we would show up on serve Saturdays and just pick up trash. We would meet with the mayor and say, hey, what do you need done that we can help do? So we were painting walls and fixing things and and just being good neighbors to our community. And so when we moved into Pickens County, it was an incredible opportunity for us as the church to seek the welfare of the city and to work with our local governments for the good of people. And that is what we have to understand as Christians. That's what we're called to do and he obviously here in Cherokee County working with our local leaders working with how to serve and so over the last several years through serve Saturdays and just mobilizing our groups and different people within our church we want to seek the welfare of the cities in which God has given us and which he has sent us and so as individual Christians and as corporate Christians in the body of Christ our role to play in the life of humanity is to seek the good of people and tell them that there is a good beyond what they can see with the idea that we are going to live forever. And so the best need that we can meet is not just their physical need, but their eternal need, their eternal need to know Christ. And so as again, as Christians, I think it's so important, especially during this time of crisis and this election year to understand that, yes, we vote, and yes, we can have honest conversations about the role of government, but we can all agree on the fact that regardless of who our president is, regardless of who our governor is, regardless of who our local officials are, whether we like them or we don't like them, we are all called to seek the good of the city. As the church, this is a high, great opportunity for the church to step into our responsibility And that responsibility is to seek good, to seek the welfare, and the primary welfare that we're seeking is the eternal one, for people to know Christ. And so this week, this month, again, I said this last night, if you're watching on Facebook Live, man, I hope that you are a good neighbor, that you seek the needs, seek the welfare of those around you. Maybe you're the one who bought all the toilet paper from the stores. All right, come on. Don't be lying. That's a good opportunity to ask your neighbors, hey, you need some toilet paper? What a great way to start a conversation, man. What a great way. Maybe you bought a lot of food, and that's fine. I get it. But but what a great way to engage in your communities and be a good neighbor and not just wait on the government to do something, not just wait on the government to seek the welfare of our cities, but to say, no, the church has a role to play in this. The church has a role to play because God has instituted the church just like he has instituted the government, that we work with our governments wherever we can, but we don't rely on our governments to do what God has not called them to do, which is to primarily call the church to take care of the needs of the community. Look at verse five here. I think this helps us to explain this even more, how we relate to this. Verse five, it says, there one must, therefore, one must be in subjection. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. What's so interesting, if you look throughout history, the different, we call them departments now, but the different departments and governments used to be called ministries. And the people who led them were called Ministers. In fact, there's still a lot of countries on the planet today that they have, they don't have a president, but they have a prime minister. And that word their minister, is a Greek word for servant. And then the departments that they have within the government were called ministries. And during the 20th century, there was a move away from that word, again, because there's confusion over the separation of church and state. And so the state started to try to separate itself from God. And one of the things that they did was rename things from ministries to departments. But I love how Paul says this. He says, Listen, the government and those in government must understand and see themselves as ministers, as servants. They're not lords, they're servants. They are ministers who are carrying out a ministry. And for those of us that are believers, again, our natural default understanding should be that the government has a role to play, has a ministry to play. And those that are doing it are ministers. Are they perfect? No, but God has instituted them. But then Paul says, we also to do this for the sake of conscience, for the sake of conscience. Now, what is he getting at there? Here's where I think it's so important for us as Christians to understand, to listen, the role of government is limited, And so what if, as Christians, the government is commanding us to do something that God forbids? Here's how we need to understand this. Romans chapter 13 is not a carte blanche command that overrides all of God's other commands. And so as Christians, we are commanded, first and foremost, to obey God. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 5, verse 27 through 29, when the government at the time, which primarily was the Romans, which ironically, this is written to the Romans. And so Paul is writing this to a group of people that were under one of the most oppressive regimes that have ever lived. But in Acts chapter 5, Peter's responding to them when they said, hey, we charged you not to speak the name of Jesus. And Peter says in Acts 5, 29, he says, whether we are to obey God or to obey man, you decide, but we must obey God. So I want you to understand that the role of government is limited. And if government commands us to do something that God forbids, then we go with what God says. This command doesn't override all the other commands. And so there are going to be things that the government might command us to do or might even say is legal to do, but we as Christians don't go with, oh, well, that's legal, so we're going to do it. No, not if it's against our highest authority, which is the word of God. And so very clearly, we first and foremost obey God. And so there are going to be things that the government commands us to do that we don't do. And there might be things that the government forbids us to do that we continue to do. I mean, you see this with uh, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, when they were exported basically to Babylon and there was an edict that went out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that said, don't pray to your God, pray to this statue. And they said, no, we're not doing that. We're not gonna bow down to another statue because God has commanded us not to do that. And we are gonna pray to our God because he has commanded us to do that. So there's plenty of biblical precedent to understand that, again, the governments, they are to be ministers of God, to understand their role, but we as Christians, we aren't to do everything that they say that we are to do, or we're not to do what they say we're not to do when God commands us to do it, because we do have a higher authority. And so here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to really think about. Government has a role, and we as Christians are to submit to that but not to the point where government is God and not to the point where we worship government because we worship God. We worship God and we submit to the authorities that God has put underneath us. And those authorities are meant to be representative of the ultimate authority. But again, I know there's been so many of us in our life, maybe from a parent, maybe from a pastor, or maybe from a president, who've had bad experiences with authorities in our life, have had bad experiences of people go outside the bounds of the authorities that God has given them. And I want you to understand that there's no excuse for that. And this is why it was so important last week to understand our default position in relationships to those that we have relationships with. We are to forgive them, so far as it depends upon us to live at peace with them. But we should never just reject all authorities. And so maybe your parent or a pastor or a president sinned against you in some way. Then it's the responsibility of a Christian to forgive them. It's the responsibility of a Christian to then be the best representative of the authority God has given them And as much as we can, to the best of our ability, in good conscience, to submit to the authorities God has put against or put over us, not to be against them, but never to follow those authorities to the point where it would lead us to sin against God. To never go with the authorities that tell us to do something that God forbids or tells us not to do something that God commands. Again, I think about in our culture When we no longer now as a community, as a government, pray in schools, and Christians freaked out about that in the 60s, and rightfully so, because it feels like this idea of, man, they're separating from God. But here's the thing. It's not the role of the government to pray. It's the role of Christians and the church to pray. And so our job and our responsibility is not to understand that the government's role is to do that, but that's our role, and the government can't stop us from praying, And so we as parents and leaders in our communities, we still live within the authority structures that God has given us, and we try to influence them as much as we can through our love and how we respond to the commands that God has given us. And so I think there's too many Christians today that are so worried about what's going on with government, and it becomes a way to excuse ourselves to not do what God's commanded us to do. Listen, we're going to vote our conscience But more than anything, we're going to seek the welfare of the city. More than anything, as the church, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, because that's what God's called us to do. And man, what an incredible opportunity we have to do that right now. What an incredible opportunity we have right now to disadvantage ourselves, to advantage those around us. Christians don't hoard. We share. Christians don't panic. We praise, right? I can't think of a lot about another alliterations or that would be awesome. All right. But Christians don't hide. We seek. That's a good one right there. We go after the needs of those around us because that is the role that God has called us to play. Now, doesn't mean we don't pay taxes. And this is one of those where we are called to pay taxes. Jesus himself said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. And one of the crazy distinctions of Christians, one of the primary reasons that Christianity spread so fast in Rome is because Christians stepped in when governments failed. Christians stepped in. One of the crazy things that was happening during that time was So many people were just throwing away kids, just throwing them away because of certain diseases and certain things that were happening during that time. And Christians moved in and started adopting those kids and started taking those that were sick at great cost to themselves a great cause to themselves. In fact, if you go out and look at the early church fathers, uh, Justin Martyr was one, how he responded to the emperor. He says, listen, if you want to understand why you shouldn't persecute Christians, because Christians are the best citizens in this Roman government. We're doing all the things that we should be doing that God has called us to do. And that's one of the primary reasons that Christianity turned the Roman government upside down. Because Christians moved in and started meeting the needs of people around them at great cost to themselves. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like Christ, doesn't it? To move into the areas of our society that need the most help at great cost to ourselves to seek instead of hide, to praise instead of panic, to seek the welfare of those around us. That is the role of The church, that is not the government's job. That is our job. And that's why we as the church, we understand that the government has a role to play, but we have a role to play. Verse seven, Paul ends it like this. He says, pay pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Listen, we pay taxes and we should. And again, we can have honest conversations about, should we pay more or should we pay less? And I understand all those, and that is not the point of this sermon. But whatever the tax is, we pay. And, and Paul wrote this to a, a government, a people who were underneath one of the most oppressive governments that have ever existed. He said, do that because that's your civil duty. But he says, listen, Go beyond that. Go beyond just paying taxes. Pay revenue. Pay respect. Pay honor. See, Christians, we are not to respond in such a way where we just do what it takes to get by. In fact, this is why Jesus says, you've heard it said. And then he ups it. But I say... You've heard it said this, but I say this. This is why it bugs me when people talk about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And people talk about whether it's tithing or whatever it is. Well, well, we're under grace now. We're not under law. Yeah, but here's what you need to understand. Grace demands more than the law. Because if this was the law, then we should go above it. Because Jesus says, if your neighbor needs this, you give him this too. If it requires this, then you go to this. Well, they're not respectable. They're not honorable. Well, maybe they're not because you haven't respected them into it yet or honored them into it yet. And so as Christians, we don't do less than. We don't say, well, here's what the law requires. So I'm just going to do that. I'm not saying pay more taxes than what's owed. He says, pay what's owed. But we pay beyond and we go beyond a great sacrifice to ourselves. And we respect those that God has put above us. We honor those. This is what we talked about a few weeks ago, man. Christians are the worst at honoring those in authority. Listen, you may not like whatever president is in office whenever that president is in office, but we respect and we honor. We can have honest disagreements about, again, what the role of the government should be, but we should not disagree about the fact that we're called to love. We should not disagree about the fact that we're called to respect and honor and serve a great sacrifice to ourselves. See, Christians, we're not just called to be good Christians. We're called to be great citizens. What if over the next few weeks and months, our world says, man, during this crisis, look at the Christians. Look at what the Christians are doing. Look at what the servants of Jesus are doing. They are praising their God. They're not panicking. They are seeking the welfare of the city. They're not hiding. And again, I'm not saying be reckless. I'm not saying, again, we want to be wise. That's why we're not gathering together. We want to be a part of the role that we play within civil society. But it doesn't mean that we don't also capitalize on opportunities to do what God has commanded us to do. And so that's one of the reasons why, again, I'm excited about the opportunities that we have as the church to be the church, excited at the opportunities that we have to love our neighbors, to pray for people during this time, to meet the needs of people during this time, to do everything that we can to respect the government that God has placed over us. Is government perfect? No, but we're commanded to pray for them. We're commanded to support them, to understand that they're servants of God. Whether they understand they're servants of God is not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to respect them. And here's what's crazy. This letter that Paul's writing is the same government that's gonna execute his judgment. It's the same government that's going to approve of his execution. I wonder when Paul was facing his last days if he thought about Romans 13. If he thought, man, I shouldn't have wrote that. But I think Paul understood, no, he wrote it because he wanted others to see that it's through our sacrifice that we show we serve a higher authority. And so governments aren't perfect. They have a role to play. And we're not perfect, but it's because the sacrifice of Christ, it's because He was willing to move into our neighborhood and seek our welfare. He sought our salvation that we are saved. And so, as Christians, we have a unique opportunity to move in and do the exact same thing. And so, maybe you're here today, man, and you're watching for the first time, or, or, or you are honestly scared. I mean, again, one of the things that I'm hoping that people understand throughout this crisis is all of us face our own mortality. It may not be this virus, but it's gonna be something. And so it honestly amazes me at times how people live their life with no fear of a higher authority, with no fear of understanding that they face death. And people are like, well, I don't believe there is a God. I don't believe anything happens after I die. Okay, well, die and then come back and tell us that you were right. Well, you can't, but Christ did. Christ did come. He did die. He did come back to life again. He's alive now, and he told us. And so I'm gonna go with him. And so maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, and this crisis has made you realize, man, I've gotta deal with my own mortality. And this is a great opportunity for you to humble yourself, to realize there is an authority, and it's not you, and to come underneath to humble, hypo yourself. So would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed again. Father, we pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, to understand that there is an ultimate authority, and it's you. No human being is independent and when governments act independent of you and when humans act independent of you, it only leads to a godlessness, an evil. But thank you, God, that even though we did that, you humbled yourself and came and served us and sought our salvation for our good. And so, God, right now I pray if there's anybody who has not trusted you would humble themselves and come to the realization that if they will simply bow the knee that you will save them and their eternity which is their greatest need can be dealt with and then they can live in this life not being afraid of death anymore but can live freely. So if you're listening or watching and you have not trusted Christ if you have not come to that place where you have humbled yourself, I pray that you would do that. And you can pray with me if you wanna trust Christ for the first time. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me, that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. I ask you to save me. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. I'm trusting in you alone. Thank you so much for loving me. Now, if you just trusted Christ, please let us know that. Please communicate with us so that we can follow up with you. We want to know what God's doing in your life. We wanna know how we can serve you. We normally at our locations here, when you trust Christ, we give you a Bible. And so we still love the opportunity to do that. But then those of us who have trusted Christ, and we say this every week, I pray that this would remind you of the priority of God in your life. It would also remind you that God has given us a government for our good and that government's not perfect. They're gonna do the best they can in the circumstances that they're in and we can find ways to support that. We can find ways to come alongside that as Christians. But we could never... Just step back and let government do what God has called the church to do. Again, government has a role to play, but the church also has a role to play. And this is a unique opportunity in the life of our world for the church to play that role, for the church to step in and to meet the needs of our neighbors. And we meet the physical needs because it's an opportunity to meet their ultimate need, which is to know Christ. So I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would give you grace to be a good neighbor, that God would allow you opportunities to serve and love on those around you. I look forward to hearing those stories because we know, again, that none of this caught God by surprise and he is in control and he's gonna use us as his ministers to seek the salvation of people. Father, again, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given us during this time pray for people it is a crazy time but in this time of crisis help us to know that you're in control your authority and then help us to move out underneath your authority not underneath in the sense of we're not under it but in the power of your authority as jesus said in matthew 28 and seek the welfare of the cities around us and we ask this in jesus name amen